Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Millennium Live. I'm very excited to be here with our partners from Bolitic. They are the platform approach to simplifying personal health data solutions to derive and analyze meaningful insights from your health population. I am here with the co-founder and CEO of Bolitic, Drew Schiller. Drew, welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Yeah, I'm absolutely happy to be here. So let's jump right into it. Uh, what's uh, you know co-founder of the company? What's the uh, what's the inspiration for starting Validic? Let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. So the inspiration was we were recognizing that uh, our daily actions end up having a large impact on our health, but are actually used. The data from those actions are actually used some of the least in healthcare. Um, and so when we started thinking about this uh, problem. Uh, when we launched the company, we realized that there are thousands of personal health apps and devices out there, but the data didn't go anywhere. They were just locked on our phones. Um, and so we wanted to be able to use those data um, for healthcare. So we launched um, what is now the world's largest health IoT platform, Internet of Things platform, um, to make everyday data part of everyday care. Um, and so when I say health IoT platform, just to help understand what I mean by that is anything that people capture in their daily lives, um, uh, both quantitatively as well as qualitatively. Um, you know, we bring in data from over 530 disparate sources, things like blood pressure monitors, glucose meters, pulse oximeters, weight scales, thermometers, CGM, <laughs> wearables, health apps on the phone. Um, and we bring it into the healthcare system to enable um, better, more proactive care. Um, we have over 5 million people on the platform, over 15 billion annual data transactions. So it's a, it's a very sizable um, health IoT platform that's uh, it's really um, helping to improve the quality of care and help, help deliver better, more proactive interventions. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Uh, so how have you seen digital health evolve over the last, you know, 10 plus years, you know, starting in like 2010, you had pandemic 2020. So how, how have you seen, you know, the, um, perhaps the pandemic probably accelerated a lot of digital health, but how have you seen the evolution of this? Yeah, so there's been a ton of exciting evolution and I'll, I'll sort of put it into two buckets. Um, the first bucket I'll say is taking things that are typically in person and taking them online. So I think, you know, video visits fall into that bucket. Um, and we certainly saw that in the pandemic where, you know, we had a paradigm of, of people going to the, to the doctor's office in person, that was no longer an option. And so that all went online. Um, and so we've seen a very, uh, a very rapid shift um, from the, of the, of folks saying, okay, now we're ready to go online instead of everything being in person. And now I think we're moving into more of a hybrid environment, which is really exciting. Um, the second shift that we've really seen um, with digital tools is we're starting to get more into personalization. And that's personalization in terms of programs. So we have um, a number of digital health solutions that are targeting um, mental health, um, targeting uh, LBGTQ population, um, targeting uh, folks who have chronic disease specifically, um, whether it's specific chronic disease or just multiple chronic diseases. Um, and so we're really starting to see digital health programs come up into place that have uh, a lot of really specific niches and ability to deliver care to members, to patients who need them, to people who need them. I'll say the the downside of all of this <laughs> um, is that we have so many point solutions out there 
um, that when I talk with um, our health system and health plan clients, they're a bit overwhelmed, frankly, by the number of companies that, um, that are well-funded, have really interesting solutions, um, could do some good in the world, and it's impossible to sort of use all of them. And it's really difficult for the companies to sort of start to differentiate and really start to show traction in the market because of, of how many companies there are out there. Yeah, all right. There's a lot of vendors vying for the time of these uh, healthcare executives. So That's right. That's right. So let's, yeah, let's dive into that a little bit. So, you know, how do you describe Validic's perspective on, let's say, the remote, the role of remote patient monitoring and how that plays a part in, in an organization's digital health strategy? How do you, how do you help with that? Yeah, absolutely. So first, let me take a step back and, 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 um, and say, you know, the role of remote monitoring. I have a slightly different perspective on remote monitoring that I think a lot of folks do, but I think it's one that really supports the current health system uh, and the healthcare workers that we have in place today. And so with remote monitoring, I see a few key things. One is we have an aging population in this country that needs more care, right? So by 2030, 20% of our population, 60 million adults uh, will be 65 or older. And yet we have a declining healthcare workforce. Um, where we have over you know, a million sh a workforce shortage by 2025, and that's gonna continue to increase. I think COVID's only unfortunately accelerated um, that workforce shortage. And so in that environment, when you have more people who need care and you have fewer people to deliver the care, we have to start to enable our clinicians, both physicians and nurses, as well as uh, PAs and hospitalists, et cetera, to really practice top of license and, and remove a lot of the rote tasks that they're doing to the extent that we can and enable them to actually provide care for the people who need it the most and understand that the people who they're not delivering care to specifically are okay. And so that's where I feel like remote monitoring can really play a role because it helps to understand what's happening in people's daily lives um, who, who have a chronic condition or who are you know in a post-acute situation um, where they need to be monitored. And it's helpful to know who is actually doing okay um, and who needs the help so you can spend less time checking in and more time providing care to those who need it. Um, and so that's that's really the role that I see with remote monitoring. And the, the way that Validic sort of uniquely um, enables this type of care is that when we talk with uh, clinicians and we say, hey, how do you use remote monitoring type of solutions today? And they say, well, you look, I, I love the idea, which is that's a huge advancement. You ask me sort of what's what's advanced over the last 10 years. I'd say eight years ago, the biggest thing I heard was, I don't need more data. I don't want the data. I already have enough data. I don't need more. Like physicians today are saying, no, no, I actually want, I, I'm, I'm open to this. I'm open to this concept. I want this data. But when I ask them about uh, remote monitoring, they say, hey, we, don't, we don't use the program. It's just another thing to do, right? It, we're super busy. We're seeing patients all day. We've got all these things. We have a remote monitoring program, but it lives outside my clinical workflow. I have to log in to see what's happening. Frankly, I just mm -hmm. don't do it as often as I should. It's just not, it's not working for me. So what Validic has done is we have actually embedded our uh, health IoT platform in the clinical workflow to effectively make those, make those data a first-class citizen of the EHR. So you can run a remote care program inside the EHR and interact with those data in the same way you would other data types. So what I mean by that is, you know, in a typical physician interaction, they would 
um, see a patient and, and order a lab panel in the clinical workflow, that lab panel will get processed and then the, they would receive a secure message, whether it's an inbox or in-basket message, to say that the lab was, was completed. They would review those lab results and sign off on it right there. Um, they could then, when they're talking with the patient about those lab results, they could view the lab results in, in the clinical workflow. We enable those same functionalities for the remote monitoring data. So you enroll a patient in a program at the point of care. Um, you set what are the clinically actionable alerts that you would actually respond to. <laughs> those alerts, if and when they occur, are raised up in the in-basket or the inbox for the clinician or via an in-basket pool or an inbox pool where a pool of uh, nurse care managers, for example, could view the data. And so it's very much in the clinical workflow. And then you can visualize the data um, uh, in the clinical workflow too. So this is not like a simple interface of data. This is actually a deep platform integration that's really enabling um, the, best, uh, the best capabilities of the EHR with these data. I'll give you one more data point. So in one of our programs for, for diabetes, we had physicians who um, they would, you know, routinely look at the glucose readings and then, and then they, would, they would back out of, they would, they'd say, well, now I need to see the A1C value. So they'd back out of the remote monitoring view and then they'd click over into the lab view and then like eight clicks later, they're pulling in the lab, the latest A1C lab report and holding in memory what the glucose readings were, which is just an absurd workflow. So what we actually do is at runtime, we, we visualize our glucose readings in the workflow, and then we pull the, the latest A1C lab value and actually display that on the screen next to the glucose readings so that the physician has everything that they need right then and there to be really effective and efficient in that, in, in, uh, in that care interaction. Well, that's definitely providing some value, you know, uh, there's so much data out there too, that it does, um, it does affect, you know, a clinician's operational life. Uh, anything to make it easier is, is definitely good. So you, you mentioned some, some problems, some challenges that, you know, health systems are having such as staff shortages. Uh, but there are, are there any other common challenges that, you know, healthcare leaders should be, uh, concerned about, you know? as their organizations face, you know, with their remote patient monitoring and, you know, is there, are, are there are any other challenges that they should be, um, you know, aware of that maybe Validic helps with? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so there's, there's two that I'll talk about. So one is, um, one is on the, the security side, um, the IT and security side, and then two is on the clinical operations. So on the IT and security side, Getting back to the point that I mentioned about so many point solutions, when we talk with the IT and security groups, they're overwhelmed with the number of security reviews <laughs> and or um, implementations that they need to do uh, to get data from all of these disparate vendors into the EHR. And so, um, you know, one of the nice things that, um, that Validic helps them with is we operate almost as like a little bit of a of a sanitization layer between all of the apps and devices that people could have in the real world um, because we're we are device agnostic we support any type of any you know any glucose meter any blood pressure monitor any weight scale etc and so we so the the health system or plan can choose whichever whichever device works best for their population or even support what we call a byoe model which is a bring your own equipment, <laughs> like they can bring their own blood pressure monitor they picked up at a retail pharmacy, sure, et cetera. So we can support those and it goes through Validic and because we're, we are high trust certified, 
you know, we are ISO 27001, uh, we are, we're HIPAA compliant, we already have that sort of deep connection in the enterprise workflow. It really gives the, the health, the uh, IT and security folks uh, a really good comfort level around being able to bring all of these data in and how those data are going to be treated by Validic. On the clinical ops side, this is a bit of a shift in how folks deliver care. Like I said, we do make these data a first-class citizen of the EHR. And so we're not trying to holistically change how they operate, but in terms of how the programs are set up and how the programs are rolled out, there's typically a clinical governance committee um, inside of these organizations around what types of programs are we gonna run? How are we gonna run these programs? You know, how are we gonna manage our patients with type two diabetes? How are we gonna manage our patients with gestational diabetes? How are we gonna manage our patients with hypertension? What if they also have low kidney function, right? And so we have programs that, that sort of are based on American Diabetes Association guidelines, American Heart Association guidelines, American College of Cardiology, et cetera, that we recommend um, for our clients to help get them started. And then we also have a highly customizable, flexible solution where you can actually take those programs and tailor them to the individual needs um, of the population. Um, and so within that sort of clinical governance, before you roll out the programs to your staff, there can be a really good hand stack around, this is how we wanna manage this population, this is the type of patient we wanna enroll in this program, and this is, um, uh, this is gonna be our new model of care. Um, so we really help streamline that with, uh, with the level of flexibility that we provide, as well as the, the clinical guidance um, with those backing of, of some of the leading associations. And the last thing I'll say is one of the things that we hear uh, most about, um, about concerns of these programs is that I'm going to get over alerted, right? So both from a nurse care manager as well as a physician, what happens if I'm getting alerts that you know, are just, just too many? Number one is we, and we coach our, our clients on this during implementation, never set an alert that goes to a clinician that does not have clinical action associated with it. Like you, there should not be an alert with an FYI. You can always look at the, the, well, the great thing about Validic is you can always pull up the patient's chart and see all the data. <laughs> so you yeah. can always go in and look, but there should never be an FYI alert. It should only be, Hey, this is something that you need to pay attention to because you said you wanted to know. And at a physician level, um, you, uh, assuming that the physician has the licensure for it, they can actually adjust those individual, um, uh, the individual readings um, or the, the readings at an individual level. So if there's a patient who has, you know, a, a, a higher sort of baseline for blood pressure, you might not want to have a normal blood pressure alert for that individual because every time they take the alert, they might be, they might be alerting. And that's, that's not ideal, right? So you want to set a higher threshold for that individual. Or likewise, if you have somebody who's, you know, maybe um, they're more sort of monitoring and they're doing an okay job, maybe you want to set the threshold for being alerted that they're not taking a reading for, you know, a much longer time period because they're doing okay and managing their condition. Um, and the last thing I'll say is, these programs, like we fundamentally need to scale because, you know, there's over 100 million Americans who require this type of or who, who, who could benefit from these type of monitoring programs today. Um, and they frankly just they, they don't have access to them uh, because our health, our healthcare system, by and large, isn't able to deliver them today. And the reason we're not able to deliver them is because there's this paradigm of like 100 and 200 patient pilot programs. And we're never going to get there. Like we are never going to be able to provide the level of care that 
that, that we deserve in this country, a hundred patients at a time. Like we have to start to scale these programs. And that's why we embedded in the clinical workflow. That's why we, we've implemented this. So we powered the largest remote monitoring program actually in the country with one of our clients that has, it's a national IDN. We have over a quarter million patients have been enrolled in the program. Over 6,000 physicians um, have enrolled patients. It's deployed across seven regions inside of the Epic clinical workflow, which is actually 17 distinct in Epic instances. Really strong clinical results. You know, A1C drops in, across type 2 diabetics um, by over a point uh, in the first 90 days. Systolic blood pressure comes under control from stage 2 hypertension to normal range um, within the first 45 days. But also clinically, the operational results are phenomenal. So 9 out of 10 physicians say the program saves them time. So this is getting back to like how we actually enable people to practice top of license. And then also there is actually a 63% decrease in the amount and the call time between, um, between physicians and patients. So the average call time went from 15 minutes down to five and a half minutes um, for, for, uh, for physicians to be on the phone with patients because they had accurate, timely data in the clinical workflow. They knew, they knew who they were calling and why and they knew exactly what the conversation was going to be about. So these data really do enable better care and you can scale these programs with the right implementation. Oh, that's awesome. You know, so, you know, what are successful programs doing, you know, to go beyond that pilot scale and to, to grow and onboard, you know, providers, patients, and, you know, you mentioned that this is, uh, this is important to, to, to expand. So what do you feel, you know, that level of integration? Why do you feel it's, um, it's important? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's not only important that we expand these programs, it's critical. I mean, we're, we are going to, we, we're in a place right now with our workforce shortage and the needs where we're going to start like entering into a emerging nation level of care for many of, of the people in the United States. And like, I'm not okay with that. And I'm assuming no, nobody listening is, and, and this is not hyperbole. This is fact. And so like, we absolutely have to do better for the patient population and these type of programs can make it happen. And so the reason why I feel like integration is so key is we have an overburdened workforce. We cannot ask them to do more. That is like that, 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 is, that would be the death blow to our healthcare system is to ask our nurses and frontline healthcare workers and our physicians to do more. We have to ask that we have to help them become more effective with the limited time and resources they have. And these type of programs do that because what we're enabling them to do is not just react to what's happening. I mean, imagine if you were all day, every day, the only way that you could manage anything was by reacting to what's coming your way. That's their world. It's extremely stressful. It's, it's mm -hmm. extremely difficult. They come on the end of the day and they're like, all they felt like was that they were just getting punches thrown at them all day. And they're like dodging and weaving and trying try to just deal with it. It's exhausting. This actually flips that a little bit, not for everything, right? We can't, like, there will always be things that happen that are, you know, that were outside of our control and that no, nobody, nobody foresaw. But when you have a population of, of individuals who are, who are being monitored for these conditions and they're in a program, the good news is that patients actually like being in the program. They're generally speaking pretty compliant. So in that, in that deployment that I mentioned, this largest deployment in the country, three quarters of patients who are enrolled in the program are still, are still recording readings twice a day after 90 days in the program. They like being in the program. It, it works for them. So when you have that level of commitment, you can shift how you manage that population to saying, hey, 
I actually don't need to see this person right now because they're doing okay. I might pop in a quick phone call just to check in, but I don't need to have them come in for an appointment, right? And that means I can spend more time on folks who's, who, aren't, who aren't doing okay. And I can actually bring them in. I can spend maybe even a little more time with them because I know that they, um, they need that level of care. And so that's, it's, it's really an opportunity to, to change the paradigm in how, we, in how we provide the care. And frankly, it's, like I said, like, this is what's needed. Like, we, we have to shift how we deliver care. Of course. No, I think, I think you're right. It is critical. So what, what does, you would know this uh, more than anybody probably, but what distinguishes Validic's integration capacities? I mean, you have a lot of uh, your wealth of knowledge here. So everything that Validic is doing sounds awesome in terms of transforming the industry. So what about Validic's uh, integration capabilities? Yeah, absolutely. So it might sound a little nuanced, but it's extremely important. <laughs> so when some companies interface into an EHR, they're sending data, usually data, usually sort of um, buckets of data um, in, you know, some sort of ETL, whether it's every four hours or nightly or weekly, they're just sort of passing the data through. And then they're relying on the EHR's cap internal capabilities to process those data and maybe surface, surface some alerts that by the nature of the data not coming in in real time, those alerts would become stale. It's a very slow experience. And frankly, the EHRs are not built for the type of real-time uh, personal health data that we're talking about. So what's unique about what we do is that we actually process all of the data on the edge. And we certainly, like I mentioned, we, we write all the discrete values into flow sheets. We do that in real time. So if somebody takes a glucose reading, that glucose reading is available in the EHR in seconds. So it's very, very quickly, very, very fast. That is actually probably not that clinically actionable. What is really clinically actionable though is if there's a concern about that reading, we are raising an in-basket alert or, or, a, or an inbox alert to a physician or to a care team member pool, et cetera, in real time. So that's something that will get notified. So if you think about an example of a heart failure program, if a patient gains more than three pounds in a three-day period, that's a concerning notification. We're actually able to raise that alert at the time that they step on the scale. Um, and we're actually also launching some capabilities where we'll be able to go out and ask that person via chat capability, uh, AI chat, and say, hey, at, at the time they stepped on the scale, was this you stepped on the scale? Are you having shortness of breath? Are you having swelling extremities? Uh, and then based on those responses, actually deliver the alert with context around what happened with the reading um, so that the care team members can get that in a timely manner and follow up in a way that, you know, in a way that's appro clinically appropriate for that particular uh, patient. Great. And so this has been a lot of fun talk talking to you about uh, all the great things Vladik's doing. So I want to maybe uh, wrap this up by asking you what's ahead and what you're looking forward to. You know, what What's next for Validic? What's next for digital health? I'm, I'm sure you can get into that for, for, you know, what 2032 is going to look like. I don't even want to know. What they, that's a crazy date to even <laughs> talk about. So so what's the future like? What's what's next for Validic and perhaps digital health as a whole? Yeah, I, I think it was Bill Gates who said we always we always uh, overestimate what we can get done in, in two years and underestimate what we can get done in 10. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's very... I think that's very much the case in digital health. In the short term, what's next for Validic is we are going to continue to help 
provide more context and, un and more insight into what's happening in people's daily lives to make those data more actionable for clinicians. And so that is not, that is extremely important and critical. That is not like a 100x or 1000x leap forward. That's like a, that's like 10x over what's happening today, and it, which is very, very good, but we have all of the technology to do it. We're just gonna get better at doing it. And that's, that's the near term. Um, where everything is going, um, and, and this is, you know, this is where I think the whole industry is going is there are many, many, I mentioned it's critical that healthcare providers start to practice top of license or, or, or not start, are enabled to practice top of license. Um, so that because right now, so much of what they do is, you know, wrote clinical documentation and follow ups and like playing phone tag with the patient and th things that are just not, not critical to to patient care, but are important to, to getting the job done, right? And so what I see happening is that more of the rote tasks of providing patient care that are not clinical decisions will start to be automated. So when we have context around the data that are happening in people's daily lives, if there are non-clinical actions that can be taken around those data, such as every time this happens, we can route it route something over this way, or every time that happens, we need to actually schedule this visit instead of, instead of talking to a, a nurse first, right? We can start to do those, those things uh, automatically in the workflow so that the clinical staff can, keep, can continue to focus on what they need to focus on, which is really spending quality time with patients. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that Politic is on the path to creating these great things and, uh, I'm sure the innovation is is endless and uh, it's crazy. Hopefully, we can uh, chat later in the year, perhaps, or maybe next year uh, about you know the the updates on all these on all these great innovations. Thank you for powering innovation with data. It's uh, it works. So, Drew, thank you for your time today. I know you're very busy, and uh, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Millennium Live to listen and learn on life and leadership.